Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Hi, uh, thank you for joining us today, and I am very pleased to welcome our guest, Kurt Shearer, who is uh, the uh, director of the National Innovation Hub Network and the Innovation Center of Booz Allen Hamilton. Welcome. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Um, uh, Kurt has a, a very interesting background, which I'll let him tell you about, but he has um he has worked for a variety of projects in, within Booz Allen involving transformation and organizational design. Uh, but before we go there, can uh, you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to here from wherever you started? Certainly. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about uh, the great things happening at Booz Allen and the Innovation Center and what that means for the workforce. Um, it has been a it's been a good journey. Um, I the job that I'm in right now I think has been the culmination of a lot of things in my life. And so you asked about my background. Um, I'm a Naval Academy grad, a Marine officer. I spent about nine years in the Marine Corps, um, which was a fantastic time to understand how to serve something larger than yourself. Um, I was fortunate enough to fly helicopters during that time. I uh, had some, some very good deployments, exciting deployments overseas, and realized about the kind of the nine or ten year mark as a Marine that um, really wanted to expand the types of things we were doing. The, the Marine Corps was very focused on a, an important mission, but thought there might be a few other things to look at. And so I had a chance to go to Harvard Business School for a couple of years, where I learned all about business and strategy, and then came to Booz Allen. Great. And, uh, and Booz Allen, that's where it really all began. And as civilian versus the military life, is, uh, it's very different, isn't it? It is. Uh, one of the great things, though, about a firm like Booz Allen is the strong sense of mission and the sense of doing something and working on problems and solutions that matter. The second thing that's great about a company like Booz Allen is the breadth. We do so many different things. And so since, since I've been there over the last 13 years, I've had an opportunity to, to work on commercial projects. I did that for four or five years in strategy and innovation. I then spent four or five years working on a number of government agency projects in some, some very exciting national agencies. And then for the last four or five years, I've spent really focused on how do we build a culture of innovation within Booz Allen to help solve our clients' hardest problems. So you came to this position with a strong understanding of teamwork. You must have a lot of experience Absolutely. with teamwork, and I'll ask you more about that in a second, and, uh, and knowledge of the different uh, dimensions of change within the organization, within Booz Allen, and it affect everybody that is your client as well. Um, change, you, you mentioned change. Um, that is an intriguing word for me. Uh, the Internet of Things, we hear about digital, you know, the digital world. Um, what does change mean 
to you, uh, you know, it's not changing addresses or changing whatever, but what, what does change mean? Yeah, it's such a great question. And we are all faced with so many different types of change. Technology has done wondrous things for us, but the rate of change and the speed of uh, even just computational power, the decreased cost of storage, the increased bandwidth, the number of things that are happening in our daily lives are happening at a pace that we can hardly even understand. Let me let me ask you, well, and I'll, we'll go with a little story <laughs> right. here. Let's do a little experiment for your okay. listeners. So imagine, Cindy, that I have a check for $10,000 in take my pocket. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, okay, you can have it. But the catch is you have to promise to never use the Internet again for the rest of your life. Would you do that for $10,000? No. And if you're listening, would you do Okay. What <laughs> if it were for $100,000? Oh, her, her eyebrow just went up, everyone. So, um, I don't think I'd have a choice. I think everything <laughs> is going to be internet. I don't have a choice. What if it were $500,000? I'd go into a cave and then we're, <laughs> I wouldn't have any place to spend it in the cave. So, <laughs> Right. So right. how about a million dollars? That's a cave plus. It starts to get interesting, right? Yeah. So this was an experiment run by an economist named Michael Cox at Cornell several years ago. And out of his entire undergrad class, exactly zero people said that they would take $1 million to never use the Internet again, just just like you're referring to. It has become such an important part of our lives. And and with that, the digital uh, access, and you mentioned IoT and other things. And, And if you think about it, it's only been really, and it's been, you can start at different points in the past, but you know, maybe 10 years, 15 years for most people using the internet to where it becomes such a vital part of their life. That's only 10 years. And it is now so essential that people would not take seven figures to give it up. Yeah, you know, I heard that uh, Xerox could have been the internet provider of this generation, except they weren't smart enough to have the uh, the their their patent their idea patent patented. So uh, Jobs uh, Jobs and uh, Jobs, what was the name? Is <laughs> well, so there, there's a lot of stories like that, and and one of the exciting things around organizations, all organizations really do two things: they innovate and they execute. The challenge that many teams and many organizations face is they confuse those two things, okay. and they they take the processes of innovation and the discipline of innovation and confuse it with the discipline of execution. Most of our organizations are built to execute. And what we're finding right now in the struggle that many organizations have is going back to your point around the rate of change that because they haven't thought about what that discipline of innovation needs to be, they are not able to keep up with the speed at which they need to change. Some organizations do it well and some organizations struggle. But the speed involves more than just the innovation. It involves policy, et cetera, doesn't it? Absolutely. But there has to be a, a focus on uh, the function and the discipline of innovation. And so if you look at it from like Booz Allen, we're over 100 years old now. We're in our second century. And I give great credit to our leadership when, and this was six, seven, eight years ago, where we realized that in order to continue to solve our clients' hardest problems, we needed to do something to ourselves. We had to look inside ourselves and say, how can we be more innovative? What are we doing well? How do we build upon the legacy of, of 100 years of being an organization? And then how do, what do we need to do to get better? 
And so we've been on an innovation journey. We're a firm on the move because we are able to look at things like the culture of innovation, which again, two words that can mean a lot of different things. But talking about what do you need in order to make a culture of innovation stick and have that exist alongside a part of, a, of the firm that executes is really important. So it is, that's an interesting way of looking at it. You're, you're blending the two, you know, execution and innovation t- together. So can, how, how do you do that? Yeah, well, it's, it's recognizing that neither one is more important than the other, but that the ways that you want to establish the processes, the incentives, and the metrics in each are different. And then having the right focus and the right, right strat- starting with the strategy to, to make sure that you are thinking about those two pieces separately. So for us, as I mentioned, this started six or seven years ago. We spent some, some specific time looking at ourselves. Like, what do we need to do better? How can we be very uh, honest, radically honest with ourselves to say, what are the things we're good at? What do we need to change? And what does this whole idea of innovation really mean for us? And, and, and that word can mean so many different things. I, it's in my title, and I hate the word because it has eight long. or nine different definitions, <laughs> yeah, right? right. Um, so that was one part. Mm-hmm. The second part had to do with how do we recognize that we need partners to help us think through the right ideas. Ide- ideation and innovation are different things. Ideation comes at the front end. Innovation has to do with making that real and relevant. It's the change with the impact. Okay. And that implies two things. One is you're moving from where you are to where you want to be, someplace new, but it has to matter to mission. It has to matter to the purpose of the organization. It's not just thinking, sitting back thinking great thoughts. Yeah, well, you've uh, had ideation and innovation uh, strictly focused on Booz Allen's survival. And by the way, it is interesting that you've survived over 100 years. Like They've saved 50% or 40% of Fortune 100 companies have gone out of business. At least, right. And then the next 10 years, 40%, well, that will leave you uh, to be the sole survivor in this landscape. but uh, So you uh, you innovated internally, but then you innovate externally for your customers. Well, right. And it's a combination of, of internal engagement with, with our own teams and, and, and having them want to engage. And maybe we can come back to engagement in a little while. But it's also recognizing that we can't solve the complex problems of today by ourselves. And quite frankly, Booz Allen, like other companies, we, we were we used to be a non-invented-here kind of company that, hey, we're a bunch of smart people, and if we can't solve we, – we have 25,000 people, we can figure this out for our clients. We used to be like that. But in the past five, six, seven years, we have fundamentally changed because we recognize that we have to have the right partners, that we can't go it alone, that the complexity and the space of, of the challenges and the threats – that our clients face require a broader, diverse set of problem solvers. And so we've spent specific time curating a set of partners, both at the large corporation level as well as the as well as at the entrepreneurial level, so that we can bring the best thinking, not only from ourselves, but from those partners to solve our clients' toughest problems. Are these partners clients of yours? So they can be, and, and that's another great point. And, then, and I, I'm sure we'll get to the Innovation Center where we talk about using space, physical space, as an asset. The ability for us to sit down with our clients in the same space and use 
what is the greatest technology we have in the innovation center, which happens to be a mobile whiteboard. You may not think about that as a technology, but the ability to collaborate and co-create together, that fundamentally changes the nature of contracting and consulting, that we're working together with our clients to solve their problems and being able to iterate at a speed that is very different from, from consulting or contracting in the past. We also have the ability to bring in those outside partners, so not our clients, but say a large company like Intel Corporation or Microsoft or Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Bring them in together with the leading edge thinkers and technologists from cities like San Francisco or Boston or Austin and combine those ideas so that we can get the, the greatest thinking from the edge, people that are really thinking about the latest technologies, together with the resources and the scale and the breadth of large corporations, mm -hmm. together with Booz Allen's focus on cyber and data science and systems delivery and engineering, bring all those things together, that creates a very powerful combination. So I'm torn between focusing on the different uh, areas that you have uh, the Innovation Center uh, in and focusing on this, on engagement. So let's go to engagement because you have engagement at the Booz Allen level and then the uh, companies who are your clients are the, have to engage their people as well. So how do you define, first of all, engagement? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, to me, this is the heart. Of, of what matters when you talk about the ability to change and the ability to progress. And, and there was a study, uh, it's over a year old, and I apologize, I can't remember the, the source, but it was a study that looked at workforce engagement. And it was something like a third of the people were actively disengaged at work. There was maybe a 60% or so that were kind of in the middle, and then there was maybe 15 or 20% that were engaged. That's a, that is such a loss of of capability. Well, what is engagement? Does it mean so, happen? Sure. Do you have to enjoy every time you come to work? It's, it's <laughs> it, I, not necessarily. I think some people misconstrue it as that. You have to be <laughs> motivated and rah rah all the time. It, it really has to do with if I'm in a job and I'm working on a team, do I feel like I am invested in the process? And that if I have an idea or a way to, to, to move whatever it is I'm trying to do forward, that there's a way to do that. So that I can ask questions like, what if and why not? If you have essentially permission or the feeling in an organization that you can ask those questions and think and, and try to improve things, that is one level of engagement. On the innovation side, you know, execution is a different part. Yeah. But if we're trying, if we're if we're talking about how to get organizations to move forward in this crazy change environment that we're in. You have to have the ability to to listen to and to bring forth the best ideas from any place in the organization. I'm glad you said that because I have been in lots of organizations where, well, first of all, the definition of engagement uh, is uh, very amorphic and uh, or it's in statistics. How many how many people of this yes. color? Yeah, and that gets to diversity too, right? So a lot of, in, in, if you look at organizational theory and evolution of organizations and how, why we have corporations, particularly in, in the United States, everything is around measurement and management. And that's become easier to do over time. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is you can't 
just because you can measure something doesn't mean that should be the most important thing or that you should make leadership or management decisions off of that. Because we're able to track things like diversity or like the number of ideas by a certain team, that's just a first order level of, of measurement. You have to get down to um, why people want to engage or uh, second, third, fourth levels of what diversity is. And it's really more about inclusivity than diversity. And this whole idea, if we go back to idea submission, uh, we recognize, and the, the idea from an innovation standpoint is that the diversity and the volume of thought are going to contribute and create greater ideas. And so again, that can't just that can be inside a small team. If, if we're a team of eight to ten people, that could be uh, a thousand person business unit or organization or division. That could be a large company like Booz Allen. That could be a crowd outside of Booz Allen. So from a crowdsourcing standpoint. How do we get people outside the four walls of an organization to contribute to that diversity and volume and thought and give people mechanisms and ways to ask questions, to contribute ideas, to provide feedback so that the ideas can iterate much more quickly than they used to? That's, that seems to me like pretty close to the, the mandatory requirement for, for engagement at the starting level. And how you execute, it becomes a different. Yes, I think that's right different thing i mean have you seen the show on television called crowdsourcing or wisdom it, of the crowd the wisdom of the crowd that's when we know it's kind of hit uh, its peak because we have a tv <laughs> show about this now right i know uh, who can't hide who can't hide as well right um so so you uh going back to uh something you had said earlier uh about teams uh can you uh define for me a team and have you in your experience with with the Marine Corps helps you uh, mobilize these teams and how do these teams then carry over to the private sector? Yeah, so I think, I think there are some fundamental principles about teams that cut mm -hmm. across uh, military organizations, government organizations, commercial organizations. Um, I think the, the fundamental first thing to start with is to recognize that leadership is the key ingredient. And the main part of that is that leadership is personal, right? Leadership has to be uh, something that is not shortchanged and that the best teams that I've seen have leaders that recognize that time and attention with their people is important. It's, it's just like raising kids in a way, right? I mean, the best time and attention in terms of, of, of raising children or having the best teams uh, matters. I think having the sense of mission and, and having clarity of purpose and the right roles and responsibilities and all the other kind of management pieces yeah. matter. But it, it really has to go to, uh, particularly teams that are looking at innovation and change, recognizing that um, it's about helping people become the best versions of themselves, to recognize that everybody's on a different path. And then as leaders, I mean, a good leader might be one that applies a certain style uh, has a style, has an approach, and understands what it means to be a leader. Yeah, there's um, somebody that's following them. <laughs> right, and uh, you have that, that <laughs> definition. But a great leader is one that can, can apply different styles mm -hmm. depending upon the people on his or her team mm -hmm. and adapting that style to them based on what they need. It's not about it's not about you as a leader. It's about them as as the people that are looking to grow and expand. And so if we bring that back to innovation, 
one of the things that, that we've seen at Booz Allen is that, and, and this ties back to your, your point around change, we don't know what the products and the solutions and the challenges are going to be five, ten years out. We can make some guesses. We, we know there are some great trends and, and certainly artificial intelligence and machine learning and, and cyber and, and data science and analytics and engineering. These are things that we feel that we have to have capabilities in in order to, to meet our mission, which is to help our clients solve their problems. But we don't know exactly what forms those are going to take. And so this has to do with a subtle part of innovation in the sense that some people think about innovation as the golden eggs, whatever that product's going to be. It's going to be uh, something that we can provide that's a solution. Yeah, product-oriented. So right. It's product okay. Product or it could be a service, could mm-hmm. be something. There also has to be equal attention paid not only to those golden eggs, but on how to build a better goose. Because if you have a, a better goose that can adapt adapt and change depending upon everything else that's happening, to be resilient, to have a process and a, a flow of thinking and principles that underlie the discipline of innovation, you can then adapt what you need to and continue to create golden eggs. And so a lot of people, going back to metrics, focus on just the end result, where in our view, there has to be equal attention paid to the process and the discipline along the way. So uh, before we leave team building, because I could be asking you questions about teams for the next hour, uh, do you see a difference in how a large company executes or is innovative versus a small company or an entrepreneurial company? I, I cer- certainly, there there will be um, differences in scale and process and, and how you set that up, but the principles are, are largely the same. Um, the things that make teams innovative and allow teams to work, the principles are the same. As you get bigger and geographically distributed, obviously the processes need to change. Mm-hmm. I think in any case, and something, again, that we see within the Innovation Center is this recognition that most innovation processes and most effective teams use a combination of physical and and virtual tools. We have this great space that's a couple blocks. I've heard your space is beautiful. I mean, I've been in there. Well, that's right. We'll have to come back and give you a larger tour. (laughs) And certainly would love to invite others to come. But it is a great space. Mm -hmm. And it it allows us to do things and to, to showcase a lot of our solutions and to provide a breadth of the, the different things that we do in a way that we never were able to before. We've had 20,000 people through the space in the last 16 months, and, and many of them are clients and partners. And we allow them to see and they understand that we're not just paying lip service to this. And that's important. But but the point... I want to say before yeah, you say that, sure. ICFI, which is, you know, ICFI, the environmental firm, mm. ICF said that they were visiting your site recently and they loved it. Yeah. So well, a, and so, and a, the reason why they love it, and I, I'm, I don't know specifically them, but the reason we hear back in general is because it, it, is a, it is an inspirational space. We focus on things like wellness, like open space. There's a lot of light, glass, uh, standing desk, all these things that, again, first order effect that people see and they think that's the solution. But really, those are the the um, the extra things that enable this this deeper sense of collaboration and being able to work and to see people 
face-to-face, work laptop to laptop, to not have to do everything virtual, to be able to write on a, a mobile whiteboard together, to know people's first names. We have, we have a, a large flow of people through there, um, dozens and dozens every month. Even given that, one of the most important things to us is that everybody knows people's first names, or the even team though it's that's hot dynamic. Whichever team and the teams around you, because if you know everybody's first name, you're more likely to engage with them. And if you engage with them, that creates trust, and trust allows you to share. And sharing leads to collaboration, and collaboration leads to innovation. And so those types of things are are really the heart of what we're trying to do. And then when you talk about culture. Another crazy word, like innovation, right? We believe culture begins with people's ideas. Ideas turn to thoughts, thoughts turn to actions. Actions turn to behaviors, behaviors turn to habits. And it's the collective habits of a team or an organization that define its culture. Because we're running out of time, and when obviously you and I could go on forever, but I have a series of uh, questions. You can ask, answer any way you want. But if innovation and all this, this like a taxonomy of innovation that you've just described, uh, what do you think is the most important thing that teams and, and we have to learn in our lives to, to be innovative, et cetera, across the board, across industries? Yeah, I think, I think part of it has to do with this trust and sharing. I think one of the other pieces that that and again, lip service is paid to it, but this idea of um, not being afraid to fail. Most of our management systems in corporate America are are built around certainty, right? We we have reports and we can get information on certainty. Innovation's about uncertainty, and so you've got to have a space to kind of allow that in your organization and be ready to to try to fail and to try again. Okay. And the minute or less that we have, can you uh, put your put your uh, fortune-telling hat on and look into the future and say which skills or which jobs people should prepare for? That's, that is a tough one. I think, you know, when we look at our mission, I mean, Booz Allen's mission is to empower people to change the world. And so regardless of whatever jobs those are specifically, if we can focus on the principles of innovation we can focus on the fact that leadership is personal, and we can allow people to ask questions of what if and why not, we'll be in good shape. Thank you, Kurt Cheer of Booz Allen Hamilton being, for being my guest and for providing a very thoughtful uh, thoughtful interview and one that uh, our listeners can and take away with them and, and consider their own workplace and their future and, and make something happen, I think. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.